Thank you so much for doing this with yes. us, Drew. This is awesome. All you had to do was ask, and y'all asked. So I come and do, you know, what people ask me to do when they want me to do it. As often as I'm body, as often as my body allows me to. Come on. Okay. So you know, yeah, and you did you did good. You gave me some time to to schedule. You gave me some time to to get prepped for the interview. I had to gear up towards it, and it was later on in the day. So you did good. I like when people are organized and I ain't got to do too much, but show up. So, well, <laughs> yeah, Fairy. let's do it. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Fourth Wall. Today, we are with Drew Shea. <laughs> hey. Drew, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Come on, fourth wall. Period. Okay. Um, we're so excited. Um, me and uh, Corey are big stands. Big stands. Um, I have to say. Uh, so this is a so. great time. <laughs> this is a great time. We all for in us. the same boat. So I'm standing y'all too. <laughs> um, so let's just let's just jump right in. So just okay. tell us a little bit about how you discovered theater. You know, what? Who? Who was it? Where was it? You know, was it something you saw? Was it did somebody say something to you? What was it? Um, well, I, uh, my mother put me in an acting class when I was very young. And so I've always been bit by the acting bug. Um, I went to a place called the First Presbyterian Church. They had an acting class in their basement and they would do, you know, community theater uh, here and there. And so with this acting class, um, we were doing a production of Rumpelstiltskin and I wanted to be the king. I, I felt like I was king worthy. I okay. felt like I was, you know, I was the part. I wanted to be the king. However, I did not get that role. Um, I was maybe like six or seven years old. And um, I was highly upset that I not, did not get the role of the king. And so I went to my acting teacher and I campaigned again, like for this role. Um, so because I went and campaigned again for this role, she ended up placing me as the king's assistant. They created a role Period. for me. And what would what I would do would uh, what I would do was uh, walk around with the king, and he would uh, tell people, you know, you have so many days, are you going to die or whatever because of you know the story of Rumpelstiltskin. And every time he would tell them, you know, you're going to be done for, all I would do was just, you know, take my hand and go across my neck and like, you're going to die. Like that was my part. Um, and the applause and the laughter that I got from that particular role really uh, set me up to like be in theater. Um, from that point on, I was doing all sorts of, you know, community uh, community theater productions. I did a production of Annie. I did a production of, of Oliver. I did a production of Peter Pan as, you know, one of the Lost Boys. Um, and um, I just, I could not get away from it. Now, the pivotal moment that I knew that I wanted to pursue theater and that theater was a part of my life forever uh, was me going to see uh, Rent at the local it was a touring production of Rent that came. I think it was a non-equity production that came and um, I fell in love with the show. Did not really understand everything that was happening, but I fell in love with the music. I fell in love with the, the grittiness of it. Um, and yeah, and I, I just knew from then on that I was going to be a part of this community. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you are from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Is this correct? Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yes, ma'am. All right. Born and raised. So I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. So it's nearby. Hey, come on, Midwest. But yeah. I did I did a summer stock in Terre Haute, Indiana. Oh, okay. Yes. Which is where um, Indiana State University. 
Is that the school? ISU? Yeah. Yes, my sister so, went to ISU. My nephew actually goes to ISU right now. Period. So it was through. It was like their <laughs> summer stock thing that they do. I guess we did hairspray. No Got matter. You. But Indiana, <laughs> I have um upon being there for that summer, um quite the white space. Um, yeah. Um, the Midwest, I think people talk about like the South is racist, da, 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 but I really think the Midwest can sometimes give them a run for their money um, in certain oh, not things. Not sometimes. It is definitely at top. Like Mike Pence is from Indiana. Mike Pence was, you know, uh, a, a part of our system there. And so um, it's definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, racist. Yes. How did you... Uh, being a black man growing up in that kind of setting, how did you navigate? How did you um, even, I don't want to say assimilate, but that's some, that's what you have to do sometimes in terms of for preservation. How did you, how did you just preserve yourself while you were there? I think that uh, being from Indiana doesn't allow you oftentimes the, um, the cultural knowledge necessarily that you would get in other places. And, and so it was a bubble for me. Um, I'm also fair-skinned, I'm light-skinned. I'm very much so uh, non-threatening black. And also I, um, you know, being in theater, I was taught a certain way of, of being, a certain way of respectability um, as a black person in theater where you had to perform or look like this or sound like this or, um, and even now I'm doing it right now, the way that I'm speaking is not, I don't talk like this, like I don't talk like, but when I get into interviews or when I get into places of performance, then it sort of comes on. It's sort of a uh, uh, something that I can't really help because it's ingrained in who I am. And that comes from where I'm from. Because when you uh, are, you're, you're taught how to cold switch. You're taught how to be different in front of different people. And oftentimes I was uh, very good at it because I was an actor, because I was you know, born into the theater. And so I've learned how to, um, uh, escape from that now uh, I'm still doing it in certain in certain ways because I want to make sure that I'm clear and there's nothing wrong with being you know what we deem as professional even though that's underneath a, a white supremacy lens itself um, but I um, I gave my I gave myself grace still with that because it we all um, are trying to survive and so going up in Indiana I didn't have as much trouble being black as I did being gay um, mm. The communities that the community that I live in or that I lived in at that time, um, I was surrounded by black people. I was surrounded by uh, people that looked like me. My dad is a staple in the community. He owns a, a, a tire shop in the community and everyone knows he's also a preacher. So I'm a preacher's kid. So I was surrounded by people that looked like me often. But then when I went into the community to be a part of the theater, then I was not. And that's when I was trying to navigate um, uh, how to survive that. And I think that I did pretty well because I came out with the knowledge that I needed, but I also came out uh, with the strength that I needed in order to move to New York and, and survive here around the the more multitude of whiteness. Uh, um, that is, you know, New York is, is it's multicultural, but the whiteness is so ingrained into everything here um, that it's even worse than Indiana. Um, so I think that it set me up to be able to um, navigate this industry uh, very well but I also think that I was in a bubble for the longest time because I moved to New York when I was 25. And so the the, um, the cultural shock that I received, not really necessarily a shock, but uh, the experience and the, the knowledge that I gained being around different types of people in different walks of life, even just from different states, not even just from different cultures, but just from different states and their experiences um, really 
helped me. Like, it really, really helped me to be able to to get here. Um, but yeah, Indiana didn't, um, I think I was in a bubble. I, I don't think that I really understood what the world was until I left there. Yeah. Does that make sense? I know I rambled yeah. on, but you know. No, that makes perfect okay. sense. So I'll be talking, but me, yeah, me, literally me. Y'all gonna have to stop me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Like stop me. Cause I'd be rumbling on and and, and talking (laughs) about something totally different than what the question was. I'm like, did I answer the question? Me right there. Elena will tell you. Elena will tell you. Okay. I love it. I love podcasts like that. So I have no problem. (laughs) So let's get into one of my, if not my favorite platform ever, Broadway Black. If you don't know what Broadway Black is, oh. if you don't, let me say it again. If they know what it is. They know what it is. You already know what it is. We got some, we got got some crazies on. out there. We got some crazies out there. If you don't know what Broadway Black is, where have you been? Where have you been? Let's get into it. So, <laughs> I'm always, I'm always really humbled that people even know what the who the platform is. So the fact that you say that, if you don't know, I'm always like, you know what Broadway Black is? Like, oh my gosh! But like, it really touches my heart. I, so I ha- I'm big stand again, big stand, big stand. Since the, the we've since the I've jump. Made, we've made so many references to Broadway Black on this podcast in different episodes. If they if they know who we are, then they know who Broadway Black is simply because well, listen, the gotta, line had listen, to Listen, I didn't even know y'all was over here doing this. That's, I'm, I'm glad that y'all, you know, invited me over because I didn't even know y'all was. I'm always like, I feel like I'm always the last to know about. And I should be the first, but I'm always like the last to know because there's so many things that are popping up and so many wonderful projects and so many wonderful artists. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't keep up with it all. And, and that's supposed to be my job. But <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's get into it. So what created, you know, what inspired you? What you know, what clicked and said, wait, I want to start a platform like Broadway Black. What was it? Like, what was it for you? I uh, studied musical theater at Ball State University. Um, and I was the only black male musical theater major at the time. Um, this was 2005. Um, and it was difficult for me to find the material, difficult for me to find a new material that was coming out and new artists and I wanted to know what I wanted to know where are the Come niggas on. at? Where the niggas at? You know what I'm saying? Where are the hood niggas at? That's what I wanted to know. Um, and I, I I could not find us. I was looking for us so mm-hmm. severely. And you know, this is back in the time where like internet Facebook was just becoming a thing. Like Facebook came out when I was a freshman in college. Um, and so the, the access wasn't the same that it is now. And so, you know, we, I was still searching through CD booklets and trying to look at pictures and look at cast pictures to see who was who was who and who was what? And you know, what could I identify with? And I felt like that was crazy. By the time I got to my my junior year, I ended up dropping out of college. Um, I went home and I fell into a depression. And in the middle of that depression, I said, what can I do? I have some very close friends um, that have been doing, you know, pop culture uh, commentary and, and have been doing um, like you, they were doing YouTube videos and doing websites and, and they were doing uh, mainstream stuff. And I said, well, what do I know? Uh, what can I identify with? And what do, what can I, you know, what platform can I build that I am knowledgeable of, that I'm an expert at, that, that feeds my soul? And I said, black people in theater, Broadway black. I can make that happen because that's what I know. And so I wanted to talk about that. And and I followed the sort of the groundwork that my friends like, you know, uh, Miss Gia, uh, who had MissGia.com at the time, uh, Kid Fury. Yes. Um, uh, those were the, you know, those were my friends. And they had a certain 
um, style of doing things. And so I sort of watched what they were doing and I sort of emulated that style, but I adapted it to me. Um, and at the time, it, you know, for, for the beginning of, of building Broadway Black, I was so um, conscious about, you know, it not being my face. I didn't want it to, to be me. I wanted to like sort of be in the background. I wanted to represent a community of people. Um, and, and that was what I set out to do was to try to build a, a platform that represented community. Um, and yeah, that's how, that's where it came from. I, I am still, and I'm still trying to do that. I'm still uh, learning new things and learning how to adapt to the ever-changing algorithms and, um, the news structures and, um, you know, how news is consumed. Yeah. Like you, you went on to answer yeah. the next question I had. You went on and you said, cause the next question was, <laughs> what has it taught you? And you, you went on, you went on and did it. Oh, I mean, well, listen, it's, it's taught me a lot. I've learned a lot. I've sacrificed mm. a lot. Um, and I'm grateful for the journey that I've had. Um, so it's taught me so, so much about this industry, about myself, especially. Um, uh, I'll just say that um, I'm not the same as when I began this journey. I was very green when I started. Um, I was very, uh, um, I want to say I was uninformed on how this industry worked and i came in with ideas and i came with when came in with such a, a fervor for um for excellence and for kindness and for a love of black people in theater and i've learned that that everybody don't mm. have that everybody's not for community everybody's not for us all they are for themselves and I've had to learn that I cannot take those things personally, that I have to do the work that will help me find the community that it is for me. Um, and so that's what I've been focused on. I've been, I've been working on, you know, cause to be honest, y'all, I haven't written anything in the past three years. So I don't even know how my platform is even surviving. I haven't even updated this website since we did the Antonio's and I only updated the website for the Antonio's so that we would have something to look at. Um, and because I, I, I burned myself out. Five years into the, into the game, I had done everything. And I did, for the most part, I've done this myself. I've had some people come along and help uh, here or there, but the team um, that I've worked with on, um, on the Antonios is not the team that I work with on Broadway Black. Um, those people that come into Broadway Black oftentimes don't realize how much work goes into building a publication, goes into uh, doing consistent content. And once they figure that out, they love to be attached to the name, but they don't want to do the work. Mm. Um, and that leaves me uh, in, in, that leaves me high and dry oftentimes. I've had people use me and use my platform for access to what they think uh, will help them get mm. to another place. Um, and it's often made damaged, you know, my reputation damaged um, some of my relationships. Mm. Um, and that has happened to me on multiple times. But I also can say that I've had people come in and knock it out of the park. I've had people come in and really uplift the platform and really do some amazing things. I just wish that we could uh, wrap a community around it consistently because everybody wants to be seen mm -hmm. when it's something that they're doing. But when it comes to do the work for somebody else's project or when somebody else needs to be seen, everybody Ooh. else's ghost. I get so many emails about people saying, oh, I love Broadway Black. I will, I read Broadway Black. I said, well, what have you read lately? Because I know that I haven't written anything in the past three years. So I'm confused about where you're reading anything at. And you support me, but in the same breath, you're saying you support me and that you read Broadway Black. And now you're asking me to do something for you when I can tell that you really don't support me. You mm -hmm. don't 
read anything because there's nothing to read right now. And if you would, if you knew that, then there would be a different approach in your your way of communicating with this platform and the mm-hmm. way that you uh, need or need access to this platform. Um, yeah, and that happens to me often. I think that it's 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 uh, uh, something that I've learned just about people about how to run a business. You know, I think people thought that this was my my goal to, to come to New York and build Broadway Black. No, I saw a, a need. I saw that we weren't being showcased. I think the first time that I did my first event, I said, like, okay, this definitely has to be done. Uh, my first event was a reading of Intimate Apparel, Intimate Apparel by Lynn Nottage with uh, Tanya Pinkins, uh, Joshua Henry, Condola Rashad. Mm. Um, and it was starring, oh, don't get me to lying. Um, oh, Jesus, what is her name? It's gonna come to me. I'm gonna come back. She was on Power. She was on Dave Chappelle's show. She's done. Is it Notori? So Notori? Not Notori. Not Notori. Um, I'm gonna come back to it because it's, it's, I'm gonna remember it. Um, but it was a wonderful production. And when I saw it on Playbill, they had the one white woman who I don't even know her name. The one white woman that was like a little side character in Intimate Apparel as the main photo for this reading. So you would not even know that it was a, a mainly like full black cast. And I said, oh, this something has to be done about this. I have to, to, uh, to do something about this. And so that's when I, I really started the journey. And um, in that, I, I uh, felt like that need was consistently being, like I consistently saw that need where we um, needed to have media like we didn't have any press like there was there's no ebony for the theater there's no jet magazine there's no essence and people that are having you know digital you know uh, uh journalistic integrity uh mm-hmm. for the theater for black people and so i i felt i found that that we needed that and so that's what i ended up filling that void but i moved to new york to be an actor i'm a performer i didn't study journalism i didn't study uh website building even though i had some skill set in doing those things i built my own website i built everything from the ground up but I didn't study those things. And so I think that I've had to really learn on the job. How do you learn how to be a videographer at an opening night for Kinky Boots? How do you learn how to be, a, you know, when you need to capture this, like you only get one chance, you got to capture the shit right now and I'm learning on the job. And so, um, and I'm still learning. And so I think that it's, it's all about giving myself grace um, and still being able to learn and, um, and, and not beat myself up because I've been in, in some dark places with this platform simply because I want, I see so much for it. I see mm-hmm. um, so much potential and I want it to come into fruition, but I haven't always had the tools to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning those tools, I've had to give myself grace and, and um, yeah. And, and also not allow people to place me in the box that they think that I'm in. People like to put me on a pedestal way above where I think that I am. Mm-hmm. And not even that, that it's a pedestal, but also they, they, um, they, see, they see the outside looking in. And, and a lot of times um, it's not reality. And so I've had to sort of take myself off that pedestal at times. Like I'm, I don't need to be up there. Like I have to take myself off and, and remind myself who I am and where I'm at and, and try to remain as humble as possible. Um, and also, but also pump myself up. Like I've, I've had some great successes. I've done some things and I'm proud of that. And being able to talk about those things and actually be proud of them without uh, feeling like I'm boasting or bragging or uh, being comfortable with some, some sort of success. I think that's what I learned as well. Yes. Before, before I get to the next thing, I do have to say that, mm-hmm. uh, Fourth, well, it's really new. It's a new thing. Um, 
And a lot of it I've had to do, obviously, thankfully, like now Corey is on board. Corey's a co-host and my beautiful friend Ashani is now helping with like talent management and scheduling. Um, she's also mm-hmm. my roommate. We love Ashani. Um, but a lot of it I was doing by myself. Like I was asking people I was scheduling. I was editing the podcast. I was managing the social media. And it, what you're saying is so right that everyone likes the idea of it. Um, and not necessarily wanting to execute it and execute it well and actually work to create quality content that's meaningful yes. and actually doing something to benefit people and um, just like watching you like create this and continuously push it forward even if there's nobody on your team to do it has just been such a inspiration and such a cool. like a driving factor because this is it's hard, hard. ain't it? <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> but when I tell you, when you sent me the email, I'll tell you this. I always go and look at intention. That's what I'm looking for. What is your intent? Um, and when you sent me the email, I went to the Instagram page and it was so laid out. It was such, there was such a plan there. Instantly. I think I emailed you immediately afterwards because I can see the intention there. Um, and that's what I'm about when people are about the work, when they're about uh, investing in themselves, even if ain't nobody listening, ain't nobody watching it and you invest in yourselves and you 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 feel as though um, uh, uh, the work is hard, but it's so fruitful at the end of it. It really, really is. And so when you have you know a good eye and, and you have taste and and you have a mission and intention, I'm all aboard. Like I love intention and taste put together. Let's go. So you have that. You're doing amazing. You really, really are. And so don't don't get discouraged. Don't because uh, it's some long nights in there, especially when it comes to editing. Oh, when it comes oh boy. To, listen, when it comes to choosing what clips you want to post and and how to uh, to you know get people to promote it and and get people on board. Um, because yeah, everybody loves the idea. They love it. They love, you know, talk. Oh, like, y'all, yeah, you're doing this thing. That's great. But they won't promote it until they are part of it. They won't uh, uh, support it until they are uh, featured on it. You know, unless it has something to do with them. People are ghosts. Yeah. They are not here. And it's 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 a human thing. That's what I've had mm-hmm. to learn. It's a human thing that sometimes we we love to say that, we, especially in you know, the theater community, we love to be like, oh yeah, my friends doing this, support them, support them, support them. But do you believe in it? Do you believe in it? So a lot of times I see people that are supporting things, but it's like you don't believe in it. I don't want to support anything I don't believe, whether they're my friend or not. I need to pull my friend aside and say, hey, what are you doing this mm. for? What is your intention here? Mm. Then why didn't you execute it and give it the time that it deserved? Why didn't you, you know, give it the, the quality that it deserved? That's what I pull my friends to the side and say, hey, what do you, I can't, I can't get behind this because it's not, you rushed it. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel intentional. Um, and I say that word a lot because that is literally my driving focus is being intentional. What is my mission here? Um, and that's just the way that I am though. Everybody's not the same as me. Um, but yeah, so I say all that to say that you're doing amazing. The fourth wall, the uh, the Instagram, the content. I haven't listened to, you know, I listened to a soundbite or two, but I haven't really listened to an episode, but I can't wait to dive in. I'm gonna go back and and uh, listen to some more stuff. But from what I've seen, I had, there was no way I could say no, cause you have done the work. Thanks, Drew. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, anyway, I'm not, I don't take compliments well. So moving on, moving forward. Listen, no, we going no, 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 because I'm the same way. I, it, it's, 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 it's hard sometimes, especially when you know all the work that you still have yet to do. When you know all 
you've gone through and all, all the stuff that you want to see and, and all the things you envision. It's like, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Don't congratulate me yet. Don't say anything yet because I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Sit in the, the, the now. Ooh. That's what we have to do is now. That's because it. that's where we are. That's it. That's where we are. Be present, baby. Be present where you are. It is okay not to be where you want to be. That's totally okay, mm. but you're going to accept these compliments. <laughs> so many people that we brought on this podcast are steeped in the Lord, just, and I, just, I love that. Just so in the Lord. We literally, <laughs> yeah. just everyone, especially the people we talked to recently, like we talked to Victor Jackson, we just talked to Amber, Iman, like uh, two hours oh, ago, <laughs> and just everybody is just, the Lord is everywhere. Anyway, yeah. you've talked a lot um, on Off Book, you've talked publicly about... Um, you were consciously holding off the career that you wanted for yourself to invest into Broadway Black because you knew that no mm-hmm. one else was doing it. Um, and you really pushed away a lot of the things that you wanted for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. How? What pushed you to um, refocus and get back to focusing on who Drew is and focusing on Drew's well-being and making sure that Drew is good, not like before mm. Broadway Black is good? What pushed you to start making that conscious switch? The truth. That's all, that's all we're here for. Um, to be really, I'm, and I haven't told anybody this. Um, the opening night of Ain't Too Proud, I went through a really big scandal. Um, I've been at this for some years. On December 21st will be eight years of me creating Broadway Black. And um, and I want to say that was February, March of 2000. And was that 19 mm-hmm. uh, when Ain't Too Proud mm-hmm. opened? Um, I, on, on the outside looking in, I was in a great place. I had, um, I wasn't wanting for anything. I had money in my bank account. I had hired a team that night to execute a a proper opening night the way that I really wanted to do. Um, I had two photographers, a videographer and Amber Mom was doing, um, was hosting for me that night. And she was doing some red carpet stuff. And, um, but when it comes to my work, I, I am intense. So when it comes to being, trying to capture what we need, I'm sort of intense and I've learned how to sort of dial that down. Um, but my intensity drives my anxiety. And I believe that that night um, I was triggered on multiple occasions. I had um, some, some press people sort of try to move uh, some of the talent away from us and try to like not grant us certain interviews. And um, they were just being real funny. And so I had to snap on one of the press people um, that night. Uh, and I just, I, it, it just was a weird feeling. And I, all, and I don't really necessarily remember everything because I'll tell you why. Um, I blacked out. Mm. I don't remember that night, a, a lot of it because I was so triggered and I, um, was going through a mental health crisis, um, not realizing that um, my body was failing me, um, that I was experiencing depersonalization. I was outside of myself. And I can remember, you know, sort of seeing myself from afar, but I don't remember all that happened. And so in the midst of that, um, I did something that was not becoming of, of me. Um, I, I stole something from someone. I don't remember this happening. I don't remember it. Um, uh, I, I truly don't remember much of anything about it. 
Um, but I do know um, that when I realized that it had happened, I met with the young man and um, I profusely apologized. I still wasn't clear on what was going on. Um, and I took him to lunch, took him to lunch and we talked and um, it seemed as though, you know, things had sort of smoothed over and I was, but I was still alarmed within my body. Like what happened, what, what happened? And so a few hours later, he posted a video on his, on his Insta story about the situation. And it was a video from the venue of me taking this, uh, something that was his. And it was, a, it was a gimbal, it was a camera gimbal. So if you know anything about a camera gimbal, um, it's one of it's like one of these I'm holding it up right now, but it's like one of these, and I have several of these. Mm -hmm. I've had many of these, so I didn't need his. Right. Um, it, it wasn't something that I was in need of, um, but I stole it, and he posted the video on Instagram, and it became gossip. It became wildfire, um, and it felt like everything that I had worked for and everything that I had done was burning up in flames. And it felt like the entire community had turned their backs on me without any understanding about where I was, what had happened. It just made, it just, I was a thief. I was a thief. I was gutter ball. I was nobody. Who did I think I was? I was grimy. And that's how it was viewed. Um, and, and for good reason, because of, of what it looked like. There is nothing that you can say when you have a video, but also... I know who I am. And so it was at that moment that I realized I have to take something back for myself. I've sacrificed everything for everyone else. And at the moment, at the, the moment that I am in need of, of, um, of a supporting hand, of, of, a, uh, of, of encouragement, of uplifting, when I needed support, it was literally nowhere to be found. To where they were, you know, friends of mine, you know, like, oh, okay, I, I believe you. Um, we understand, we know you, but it was still a question mark in there. And I needed to surround myself with people that didn't have question marks about me. Mm. So I, I stopped everything. I stopped. I could no longer... Um, continue to put myself in places where I was being triggered. And, and because I was the only black press, a lot of times I was being triggered. I was gaslit. I was um, uh, undervalued, um, even though they wanted my audience, they want my community. Mm -hmm. Even three years later, after me not really even writing anything, they are sending me invitations. They want my community. They want what I built, um, but they did not see the value in me. And Broadway Black was me. So it became to the point where it's like, I need to let people know that, that you love this platform, but you can't love this platform without loving me with it. Mm -hmm. Because my blood, my sweat and tears is in this. This is all me. So you want this platform, but then you don't want me. You don't want me to survive. You don't know that I was going to these events to eat. I was going to these, these events to, to have some place just to be for, for a little while, to be warm. That I was sleeping on a train at a point in time. That I was sleeping in a shelter at a point in time and still doing Broadway Black, still showing up looking like I was somebody and still posting and still doing and sacrificing myself. It was eating away at me to the point where I did not, I no longer could recognize myself. I was experiencing depersonalization from my body. And I did not have the knowledge of this until I started to stop and say, I need to see a therapist. I need to go to therapy. I need to do something about this. 
until I started to really pour into myself. Because if you go back and look at pictures of me, I look half dead. Consistently drinking and smoking and, and numbing myself from the pain that I was experiencing. I was not healthy. Mm. I was not in a good place. And, and, and it was when I realized that, oh, people will turn their backs on me. No matter what I've done, no matter how much I've helped them, helped them, if it doesn't serve their, uh, where they're going or it doesn't help to lift them up, they will turn their backs on me. And I'm just not saying that everybody did. I'm not saying that everybody did. Uh, but it was definitely uh, a, a curtail in the way people treated me mm. and how people interacted with me. Um, and, and that hurt. That hurt. Um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of processing that particular situation. I didn't have the language for what I was experiencing until I started to go to therapy and I explained to my therapist what exactly happened and, and showed her the video. And, and um, she said, yeah, you started to experience what I call, what she calls a video game. Um, and that's how I started to explain it is that where you are so outside of yourself that it looks like a video game that you are now on a mission to protect yourself and you are now uh, a warrior in a certain way. And I don't know what that gimbal represented for me in order to feel safe or to feel like I was getting back whatever I had lost, um, you know, lost my dignity, lost my my my. Uh, my, the, what I valued as respect from the industry people, you know, with with press, you know, pushing me aside or putting me to the end of the line or moving people past me or, you know, things that I felt like were injustice to me. I had experienced so much of that, that I had begun to fight back, not with with my actual hands, but my brain beginning to fight back in a way, if that makes sense. Um, and it was a traumatic experience for me. Um, and st I'm still dealing with the effects of that. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, this is the first time I've actually talked about this, um, but because I'm so comfortable with where I am now, I'm so comfortable with the growth that I have, um, nobody can hold anything over me. There's, there's nothing that I'm not willing to, like I said from the beginning, there's nothing I'm not willing to talk about. So I said, if you want me to be honest, that was the, the change in my life. And so when that happened, um, I took a break, I started going to therapy. Then right after that, my friend Titus, Titus Burgess called me and wanted me to do uh, his concert with him at Carnegie Hall. And that helped me. That really helped me get back into the focus of who I am. Um, I started to you know, get in the gym more consistently. We started rehearsing for that project and it was all Sondheim music. So us, all us black folks, you know, it was a, it was a mixture of people with some other you know, people of color, um, some other people apart, but it was you know, a lot of black people. And so to have this many black people singing Sondheim at Carnegie Hall uh, was phenomenal. Carne Carnegie Hall was like a dream of mine. And so to be able to experience that um, with one of my close friends, it sort of brought me back to who I knew to be. Um, and I started auditioning and I booked and I booked and I booked okay. and I booked. <laughs> and we're equity now. Okay. We equity we now. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And so I continued to book and, and, but then as soon as like two weeks into, so I had booked a uh, dream girl. I actually booked four different shows that I was supposed to do back to back. I was actually booked all the way up until March, 2021. Um, but I was doing Flex, dream okay. girls in Virginia and we only got two weeks into rehearsal. I was playing Curtis Taylor Jr. and then shut down, pandemic happened. So right when I was uh, like starting to invest and pour into myself, God snatched it from me. <laughs> and 
I had to process that. I had to figure out how am I going to move forward? What can I do um, to, to sustain this growth that I have in myself? And so, um, yeah, so we started to, to plan. I did the uh, Inside the Mind series after that yes. uh, for Broadway Black, um, which really helped me mentally because I was lost, y'all. I was hurting. I was really, really hurting. So that was a series I did to talk with uh, Broadway actors and, and, and Broadway artists about where they were in the middle of this pandemic. How are you surviving? How are you able to continue on when our industry is shut down? And so that hearing those, um, those words of encouragement and what other people were going through and how they were processing that um, really helped me. And then that's when the Antonio's came, uh, that idea for the Antonio's like, okay, well, I need to do something. I need, I need, I don't want to sit here and and lament with all y'all about how these white people been racist and we knew it, but now y'all feel comfortable talking about it because y'all ain't got no jobs. Ooh. I Ooh. don't. No. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like. That's it. Yeah. No. Not, I, I've I've been I've been holding these stories for y'all for years, so that you can keep working, because y'all know I likes to talk, so. I have been holding on to a lot of the things that people were saying and, and talking about and, and writing articles about and writing whole, you know, uh, ISO notes, press releases for and doing all the things like I had been holding that. And I don't think people realize that that was a form of trauma for me, that I, I, I have to hold the stories of my people being hurt. And now all of a sudden, when we don't have jobs and, and we're riding off the back of actual black people dying, black people are dying in the street and you're worried about getting cast in, in Wicked Tour. That ain't sit well with me. So I sat there and ate my food. I shut the fuck up. And I said, I'm going to do something that brings black mm. joy because that's all I have mm. the energy for. I don't have the space for anything else mm. but bringing joy. I don't wanna hear about your hurt. I don't wanna hear about your pain. I don't wanna hear about the, the makeup lady didn't give you the right shade or the wigs was trash and, and they didn't know how to braid your hair or do the wig prep for you. I don't, I don't wanna hear none of that. Like, and I understand that those are painful experiences for people. People actually went through real shit, but you kept it to yourself. You didn't make a way for somebody to come after you so that they wouldn't have to experience it. And that's what angered me. Mm. That, and I think that the only person that said um, that they were sorry for doing that I saw, and I reached out to her, Shelly Williams is a director and she'll be directing Aida for Disney for the tour coming forward. Um, and she wrote a statement and she said um, that she was sorry for doing what she thought she had to do in order to mm. get to where she wanted to be. Mm. that was that right there healed me healed something in me because I was sort of bitter at everybody spilling these stories and 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 um here I am being fully honest and being fully open and I'm hurting and damaging myself from doing that I am experiencing some mental traumas and anguish and then now here we are you know a year after my major mental break and everybody wants to talk about it and the the floodgates are opening and pouring out and I said, you have got to be fucking kidding me. I, it didn't compete. Like, am I like, 
I, am I talking to the to the to the wind here? Because it didn't compute for me. And you were being ridiculed for when you would speak out about the things that yeah. you were that were so wrong, Baby. the things that were getting messed up. People always had something <laughs> to say, like, "Oh, Drew's talking too much. Drew's doing too much." And now for you to see that, for you to be vulnerable, knowing that you were going to get attacked, and now when it was deemed okay for everyone to release these think pieces, feeling like betrayed by that idea or the people who are then speaking up weren't speaking up for you when you know they could have exactly exactly um and that hurt i just want to i just want to put a period on that that hurt my community has hurt me not purposely i know it's not on purpose but it's because this a lot of times community cannot see outside of themselves. And that's what I want to get past. Mm. That's what's hurtful. See outside of yourself. Um, and and I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing. It hurt me, but I also, I'm still mm. here. I still built something for community. The Antonio's was yeah. for us. And then even that got backlash because people weren't involved or I didn't ask them to, to do something or, you know, sing. I, I'm in Hamilton on Broadway. You didn't ask me. Well, if you knew me, you know I don't even like Hamilton like that. Like, if you knew me, <laughs> if you knew anything about my plan, you know I don't even fuck with Hamilton like that. Like, but that's what I'm. That's what I be talking about. So it's like, I get it, mm -hmm. but I don't get it. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had to sort of navigate those feelings and navigate. Um, my anguish and, and my hurt with that and, and build back up my confidence and build back up my self-esteem and build back, build back up my, my um, desire to, to continue the platform and really build community. Um, that's always been my mission. I always wanna see us win, but I don't wanna see us win at the, at the, uh, at the hands of, of black bodies dying. I don't want to see us win off of anti-blackness, which a lot of people have been winning off of anti-blackness. Um, I don't want to see us winning off of, of, of you know, all, all the different things that, that are, um, that happen that this community and, and, and culture, theater culture has created for people of color and specifically black people. Um, it has pigeonholed us. It has forced us into competition with each other. It has, um, you know, made us overanalyze each other's gifts. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do yeah. that. I, I just want to be able to celebrate um, what happens when the theater goes dark. Come on. That's my- Come on, tagline. That's my, yeah, that's my, that's my mission. Let me show you what happens when the theater goes dark. What are we possible, what is possible? You know, and also I want us in the seats, not just mm -hmm. on the stage. I want us, I want people that, you know, that look like me to come and, and view the works that can change their lives. There are some transformative experiences in the theater. I want, I want my people to, to, to feel that and, and um, feel comfortable being there and being in those spaces because they belong and I want them to feel like they belong. Um, and so that's always been my mission. And, and, yeah, when, you know, it just, yeah, I, I'll just say that's always been a mission that's going to continue to be my yeah. mission. Yes, I'm going to let, Corey, I'm going to let you move on because I do want to talk about the Antonios. I just need to say that inside the mind, 
it was quarantine was a really dark time, especially the top part of quarantine, mm-hmm. especially being finishing out my BFA and having my white professors email me about useless things where black people are being killed in the streets was not a good time. Jesus. And listening to people like Ephraim and was there a patina episode or am I going crazy? There was a patina episode. You're like right. watching those episodes and just listening like to my idols and you weren't even talking about that was like that was also part of like how we created fourth wall was like we weren't even talking about necessarily theater. You were just talking about what it means to be a hmm. black human and how to persevere and how to preserve yourself and hearing all of that like in quarantine like just watching black people black people in this industry that i love talk about those kind of things was just it was what we needed that okay the black i'm so glad i'm so glad you you said that because i i that was my intention i said and i said when i sent out the email and the request to the the artist that i had um i said i don't want to talk about your work i don't care about your work right now how are you? What are you feeling? Because we are going through a collective trauma together and we have to process this together. And so that's what I wanted to do. So I'm so glad you said, I'm so glad it resonated with you too, um, because that was the point. That was the intention. That was it, that was it, period. All right, all right, here we go, Antonio. um, (laughs) So when people often ask during quarantine, Corey, how are you, how are you? It was always a pretty like dull answer. Not gonna lie, it was always like, "Uh, I'm making it, I'm making it. But when I tell you Juneteenth came, my answer was completely different. Mm. It was completely different. <laughs> when I tell you, the Antonios blessed me and it's one of the highlights of this year. You know, I haven't done much this year. I haven't right. done much. You know, I was, you know, everything got stripped away. Graduation got stripped away. My last show in college got stripped away. You know, whatever opportunities I had, you know, coming out of showcase, stripped away. It was all stripped away. So I was like, well, Corey, what are you going to do? But after watching the Antonios, I'm going to tell you, I was inspired to, Corey, don't you give up. Corey, it's just a pause. Just a pause. Hey. Yeah. First off, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the Antonios. Thank you oh, because period. you are more than as welcome. A, as a black performer in North Carolina at that, just, you know, just in this climate. Yeah. What part of North Carolina are you from? Okay, come on, um, so just, okay. you know, yes. it was You know, it was hard. But, you know, after, you know, it gave me the courage. It gave me, you know, the inspiration that I needed, the push that I needed. So let's let's just let's so let's glad. dive into That's, it first. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it because we were screaming like me and Corey were. Facing, we literally had like, like a watch, like literally number. a watch party. We'd be like, "Are you watching this? Are you seeing what I'm saying?" Like when my hands, when my fingers couldn't move fast enough to text something in all caps, I had to call. I had to call. Yeah. What I tell you? Okay, so let's. Um, so why Juneteenth? Why did you want to do a Juneteenth? Uh, in our first meeting, uh, the team was very adamant about that being. Uh, a great date, especially with um, everything being so black focused and to honor our ancestors, to honor the people that come before us and also a sense of freedom. Um, I think we were all experiencing and it just it just resonated with us. It just felt right. And so um, with our first meeting, we, we set that um, that date and it, it, it just stuck yeah. like Ritz because it, it was meant to be. But also it put us underneath a, 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 a terrible time constraint. We had uh, six weeks to do what we did. Um, and I'm so glad that it all came together, but the date just, it just resonated in our hearts. It was just meant to be that day. You, speaking of Juneteenth, you would not, you would not imagine how many people I've come across, white people that I've come across that had no clue what Juneteenth was. I mean, no, just had- That bothers had, my mind. I had no yeah. clue. I was thinking about the, I was looking through my old tweets and I came, I tweeted once, 
that I was one of the summer stock um, companies that I was working with two years ago. I was working with a guy that literally thought <laughs> the black national anthem was what was the song? I think the I don't even remember what the song was, but it wasn't what the you know looked every voice and sing. Yeah, the actual song is. Right? And I was like, <laughs> just pick some random black song to think about, and I was like, is this really what it's like being white what? in America? Y'all just y'all just are blind to it. Y'all don't y'all don't care. Wait. Yep. They don't because they, they don't have to care. And they don't have to. There's there's no there is no course or there's no point in their life where they they have to know mm-hmm. black culture to survive or to navigate their life. We have to know everything mm-hmm. about white people in yes. order to survive and thrive in this in these industries. And that's what's so infuriating. They don't have to know. But this was this was an event where it didn't matter mm-hmm. if they knew or not. Come it wasn't on. for them. Um, so, you know, putting it on Juneteenth, we don't have to explain shit to you because it's not for you. Okay. And I think that's what, um, that's what sort of, you know, lit the fire that it was for us. And then, and that people were watching something being created that wasn't for them, but they wanted so badly mm-hmm. to know what is this? What is happening here? What is going on? Um, yeah. I, I love that aspect of it. That is, it's, it was yeah. for us. It, it, it didn't, cater to, and none of my content really does. I don't think that I ever have kowtowed to, um, to you know, what white people expect or, or what they desire or need um, to feel safe in, in my presence. That's mm-hmm. not my responsibility. I'm, I'm only here to make black people feel safe in my presence. I'm only here to make black people uh, feel like they have a voice. That's my mission. Um, so yeah, it, it <laughs> It it had to be Juneteenth. Yeah, and I'm glad it was. Yeah. I, it came right at the right moment. Okay. It came right at the right moment. So we yeah. have to talk about my favorite moment. I'm sure it was Elena's favorite moment of the Antonios. It was. Being alive. <laughs> I, didn't ex- I didn't expect it. Oh I didn't know when it first started. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. But it was one of those where my fingers just stopped working and I had to call. And it was literally us screaming at each other on FaceTime as the number (laughs) scream because being alive like before this is my if not my number one my number two favorite musical theater song in the history of musical theater it's a good song and to hear oh my god who who did the orchestration who did the oh alan so who came up with this (laughs) <laughs> Alan Renee Lewis did uh, the arrangement and the orchestrations. I told him it was one of the I- first ideas that I had for the show. And I said, well, it was originally supposed to be a different song, um, but then I couldn't get the, the the women that I wanted for that song. And so we ended up changing it um, to better fit uh, the build of the show. Um, and so I changed it and I told him what I wanted and how I want- who I wanted to do it with. Ayana and Angela like were... I called them first before I okay. even told Alan. Like, Alan, I want to do this song, but I need to call Angela and Ayana first to see if they would be willing. And it took some time. Angela was already a go, but Ayana was like, oh, I don't, I don't. Nobody had been doing virtual performances. Nobody had been recording mm-hmm. in their home, you mm-hmm. know? So it was, it was a very delicate mm-hmm. situation to try to get yeah. people to do things, which is why we called on the people that we knew. So the team that I had, uh, we called on the people that we knew. Um, and, you know, after last year, Ain't Too Proud, a lot of people wasn't fucking with me. Mm. So... I couldn't call a lot of people, you know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, I mean, I could call, you know, my 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 go-tos, my, you know, LaShawn's and, and people that, that really know me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I couldn't call a lot of, you know, uh, people that I, that I didn't know. So I called on people that we knew. And also it was at the beginning mm -hmm. of a pandemic, like you don't know where people's hearts are, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So you have to be very delicate. So we thought that if we asked a lot of people to do very small things, then it would help us, but it also made more work for us to put piece it all together. But um, so I had called Ayana and talked her into it and talked Angela into it. And um, Alan made the arrangement that night and we sent it off and it was just a go. Like we sort of built it. But then I realized, oh shit, I have to sing too. <laughs> Like I have to be able to sing and keep up with and my did. friends. Like and did. if you know anything about Ayana, and did. Listen, I did my best. <laughs> if you know anything about Ayana and Angela, them is some singing fools. Okay. Like they sing. Um, and I I, you know, bow down to their their excellence and and the gift that they have. And and so I just wanted to be able to um just stand next to them. And um, I'm happy with what with what happened with what how it came across and um, the end product and I'm I I'm just so glad that y'all loved it because that was a really a highlight for me because I also you know I I told you I hadn't been performing for anybody nobody really knew that I I could sing um, so that was a big deal for me and a very a nervous place to be in and vulnerable place to be in because the entire community was watching that show um, you know over twenty thousand people watched that night um, so it it was nerve wracking for me. Um, but I'm so glad that it was well received. It was a highlight for me just as much as it was for anybody else. Period. Yes. Is it coming yeah. back? Are we seeing Antonio's in 2021? What's the truth? We are seeing seeing the Antonio's in 2021. We actually, yes. We actually have our uh, our first planning meeting tomorrow, and um, yes. yeah, I'm excited about about what we're doing. I I'm really excited about it, y'all. Y'all not ready? This now this year I'm gonna be really excited because it's it's gonna be different. It's gonna be very different. That's I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna try to move quick because we don't wanna we we're not trying to take up all your time. So we just gonna we gonna I ain't right going to wear listen, I'm at home. You see I'm in my robe. <laughs> okay, and you chilling and that's what's that was. And you know I talk. You know I talks on. I just I rambles on. So you know <laughs> you can shut me up at any time. Let's talk for a second about off book podcast. Um okay. off book this is I'm all about giving people their flowers while you have them in your face instead of waiting until who knows when. Um, mm -hmm. Off book, it has gotten me through so much. It's been how many years has it been going? It's been going since I was in high since I was doing theater in high school, I think. Well, I, I want to say 2016 we started. Yeah, that makes sense. I graduated high school 2017, so that that's perfect. That's perfect time. Okay. So, because I was like, it started when I was auditioning oh, you a for baby. colleges. Anyway, I'm 21. Leave me alone. You are a baby. Oh my God. How old are y'all? How uh, old are y'all? I'm 21. Corey, you're 22. 22. Whoa. Oh my Jesus. Lord, Father God, help me. Lord. <laughs> oh. <laughs> y'all are oh, I wish I was 22 again. But Lord Jesus, y'all got so much life. I love to see it. I can't wait to see y'all grow and grow. <laughs> But anyway, so off book, um, I it hearing like three black people in an industry that I want to be a part of talking authentically every single week um, about their lives, talking about the industry, giving it perspective. Because back then, I especially in high school, I was and now we I me and Corey went to a very white very, uh, musical theater program. Very white. Um, Where? Where y'all go? We. Western Carolina University. It's in North okay. Carolina. Um, we don't have a lot of notable alums 
Who was your notable? Uh-oh. The most Uh-oh. notable. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, Isaac Powell. No, I went to, no. I, actually, oh. he's from Greensboro. We did community theater together. Okay. Um, that's not who we were going to say. We were going to say Ariana DeBose, but she, or DeBose. Oh, well, you know, no, let me say this now. <laughs> I have said some things about Ariana DeBose, and I'm going to take about 80% of them back. Oh. Because I saw the prom. Okay, don't don't spoil it. 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 And when I tell you, I'm not gonna spoil it, but when I tell you, Ariana does some solid work in the prom. That I said, you know what, I was wrong. Now maybe she shouldn't have came to the theater. She should have just went straight to film. But I was wrong. Like, what? What? No, I'm serious. Like because, no, no, because like, gen- genuinely, like genuinely, I I like her as a mm-hmm. person. I'm always talking about the work. Mm. Um, but she has an essence. Uh, uh, she has, like, she undoubtedly has something um, that is star quality. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the dancing is a one. Yes. But on film, and and the way that she she sang the songs, like studio recorded these studio recorded these songs. She's a studio singer because they brought something out of her. I don't know who was vocal vocally coaching her for this film, um, but the essence of what she brought to the camera. And, and the intricacies of her voice picked up uh, um, in this film were phenomenal. I'm excited. Um, phenomenal. I, and I, so I had to DM her. I said, um, actually, I said, uh, ma'am, I have to actually apologize to you. I have said some disparaging things about you um, and your performances. And, and um, I have to apologize, not, because, not just because you were wonderful in the promo, but also because I was wrong. Um, I was wrong, and I, I will say that um, because she did everything she needed to do to get to where she is now, and that she touched somebody then in those other places, but she touched me here in this in the prom, and that's what she was meant to do. She mm. was meant to go on and do what she, was meant for her, mm. um, and I don't think that she would have been able to get this film and get those other projects without have done without having done the other work. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter what I feel about the other work, the prom and what she did in this particular project did something for me and that's why i was wrong because it was not my place to say what was good or what was bad it just wasn't for me and that's what i should have been on top of saying it wasn't for me it didn't Mm. do anything for me um but i have said you know because i've been a little shady i've been a little you know i've been a personality um i've done things to to amp up the, the flavor of my show and that i'm not always proud of either um but you know, I've also been true to what I felt at the time. I did okay. feel that way. Now I didn't have to say it yeah. that way, <laughs> but I did feel it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I'm learning. That's something else I'm learning. You know, how to have, uh, how to say what I mean without saying what I don't mean. Right. Yeah. Speaking so. of, well, and, I, 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 I was just oh, while, oh, we're, oh, while we're on the I? prom, I was just, you know, mm-hmm. I like to pretend that I'm, you know, a part of Telsey. I'm over here casting new shows. <laughs> and I was thinking, if the prom had lasted longer, I think Billy Porter should have gone in for Barry. Just thinking he would have been the perfect, and not even for the movie, maybe. Because I just, I've, I've been seeing a lot of reviews, and I just don't think Mr. What's his face? Now Barry is the, is the, um, the who is Barry? The, the gay yeah. one. What's who's playing him in the movie? Is, it, is that um, um, James Corden? James. Okay, the James Corden. He's getting um, a lot of. He's getting a little. Yes, but but see, black gays is. Yeah, they don't like black people don't 
I don't think that black people, at first, but before I saw the, the movie, somebody else said that, why couldn't some of the famous actors coming into Indiana, into the, the high school, be black? But black people just don't yes. be that, yes. uh, that naive or that self-centered like that. We don't have the, the ability to mm -hmm. be, we don't have the, the, the privilege, I should say, mm. to be that self-centered, yes. to be that that narcissistic mm -hmm. as those characters were of uh, saying that they were going to go help yeah. this girl and they were doing it for you know press or whatever we don't have the ability what what broadway star do you know has the ability to be that narcissistic mm. even audrey mcdonald is humble as all get out not just because of who she is but be i think also because she would never have won another tony if she wasn't okay you know what i mean like as a black woman we don't have especially as a gay black man either we don't even have the 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 uh, the ability or the roles to really to have a whole bunch of mm -hmm. black stars you know like white people are white people get so much more famous on broadway than than people of color mm. like it boggles my mind if you go and compare people that are on broadway white people on broadway that i don't even know their names have followings and and so many so many people know who they are they they get so famous off of the work on, on in the theater it boggles my mind because how? Yeah. How do these people know you? Mm. And how do you be in the same show with some of the black people that are killing it? That. And they still don't get the same mm -hmm. recognition or the same opportunity going forward. I, I still haven't figured that out. Like I'll be looking at some of the people from from Mean Girls that, that have been cast in Mean Girls that have gone on to do some amazing stuff. I was like, I never even heard of you or knew where you came from. And then all of a sudden you are catapulted into superstardom and I don't see, I don't see it. I don't see how um, it, it boggles, it boggles my mind. So I don't think that, that any black person could really I agree. play that I agree. role to be quite yeah. honest, unless it was just to be, you know, diverse, like mm -hmm. just to be, mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not true to the character. It has to be, those are white people. I agree. Yeah. You've changed my perspective. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. We're here, we're here, we're one. <laughs> okay, no, good, one. listen, come with me. <laughs> on period, on period. Okay, yeah. so off, we were talking about this because we talked about white spaces because that's mm -hmm. that's a lot about what we, on this podcast, because we're talking about discrimination and bias in theater, a lot of the talk is about being in white spaces um, and being in such a white space as this one because it's in the middle of the mountains of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, off book was a really beautiful way to know that I wasn't crazy and know that my opinions yeah. of how theater should be and how theater can be that they weren't far-fetched and that they weren't unrealistic. Cause here I was made to think that the way I thought theater could be ran or the way I thought things could go was unrealistic. Um, and so I, this, that podcast was like, is like everything. And now there's some new hosts with like York Walker, Kim Exum, who we stand in this household, uh, Ramaj, like. Oh, actually we've moved on. So Ooh. those were the hosts um, from the pandemic, right, right before the pandemic. Um, and now that we've sort of relaunched and gone into a new phase, we now just have me, Kim Exum, and Ngozi and Yamu. But I love the yes. work that I, I worked with, uh, you know, so many other people previously that we had a, a different format, but the pandemic sort of changed everything mm -hmm. and availability and, and people's desires and other projects sort of came along. And so we weren't able to, to stick with those those lovely people that we had before, but we have moved on with Ngozi and Yamu, who is a playwright and screenwriter, yes. and she you know writes for television, and Kim Exum, who is... Uh, Nabalungi on Broadway. We love uh, that in woman. Book we Mori. stand. Um, 
yeah she's amazing so what yeah. started I'm so happy like dealing with all of like broadway black in itself just the platform by itself is a lot and it's a lot to handle and it's a mm-hmm. lot to maintain what gave you the idea to launch a podcast and what what about the podcasting platform continues to inspire you to keep moving with it it was um for me to start off book i wanted i wanted it <laughs> I wanted it for myself. That's that's always been the the catalyst for anything that I've created is that I did not see it anywhere else. I did not see the flavor of authenticity that I wanted to to listen to. Um, and so, yeah, that was the catalyst for it. And also because of um, that great comment bullshit. Um, I had a lot I wanted to say that I couldn't really mm. write out in the way that I wanted to write it out. And, and um, I needed some place to get some things off my chest where I could be Drew Shade and not be Broadway Black. Um, and that's what I wanted. I, I needed my own space. That was sort of me, the beginning of me carving out space for myself within this platform. Uh, for a long time, I, you know, people did not know that I was Broadway Black. It, like literally just recently at the beginning of this pandemic, I had to put my face on the logo so people know it's literally just me, y'all. Like going forward, y'all see these other publications shutting down. Uh, uh, Essence and Ebony can't pay people and Jet then, you know, then sold out to, to somebody else or like, what have you? Like, there are no, there's no real money in black publications. Like, it's, it's sad to say, but there's no money in that. Um, it's you, you're doing it for the love. And so it got to the point where I had to carve the space out for myself um, so that I could find myself. I was having a difficulty. Um, I was having a very difficult time finding myself. Um, and, and, and growing because also, you know, you have to realize I come from a small town too. Not only was I dealing with transferring into a new city and, and never, you know, really being away from family like that or um, being in a space where I didn't have my family close to me. Um, and, and also, you know, I was closeted. I didn't come out of the, the closet until I was 25 and I had moved to New mm. York, you know, right before I moved to New York. So um, being a preacher's kid and, and coming out as gay and, and, um, trying to build a platform and do something I'd never done. There were a lot of things that I had to go through that I, I felt like I was still discovering who I was, but then the, the work that I was doing wasn't allowing me to be authentically myself. Um, I felt like I was showing up to spaces and I was putting on, I was presenting what people wanted from me. Um, and so I needed off book. I desperately needed it to, to have some type of, of um, release. Yes, yes. Well, we stand it over here. Oh, stand it all uh, also, the way. What gave you the idea? Who, like, <clears throat> were, when you were thinking about starting it, did you know you wanted to have co-hosts? Did you know you wanted it to start off with Amber and Donye? Did you, are those things you knew or is that something you kind of discovered? Yeah, as you- um, I I knew that I wanted to have co-hosts. Um, I asked Donye first. Donye was my, like, that's my nigga. Like, we had done um, his web series and worked together on that and we had become really close. Um and I knew that I wanted him off top because I just felt like he was so talented. He was so focused. He had uh, such a word and a gift to share. Um, I, we started off with my friend Farah, um, and she was sort of, I, I think that she would have been great for the show, um, but she didn't believe in herself. Like she ended up leaving the business shortly after, but then came back to the business a year later. But um, 
she had to go through what she needed to go through for herself. And so she mm-hmm. didn't really believe that she was a good fit for the podcast. So after the like the two episodes we recorded with her, I ended up asking Amber to come on to the show um, and, you know, see what she thought about. She was like, sure, let's do it. And so we did it. And the chemistry was just so solid. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we did it as much as we possibly could, you know, until we couldn't do it anymore. Um, yeah. So it's, it's one of the joys and highlights of, of, the things that I've created because it was so much fun. It's always been so much fun. So hopefully we can continue that same energy going forward with Kim and, and Guzzi. I think that we can, but you know, it's, it's going to be, there's nothing like, you know, the original me, Donya and Amber. Yeah. yeah. And that live reunion, me and oh, it was Corey everything. loved it. Everything. <laughs> that was everything. We was, listen, we was kiki up a storm, wasn't we? Oh, um, absolutely. So okay. Okay. <laughs> so when black people are passionate and won't take anything less um, then what is fair? Uh, we get called difficult or problematic or loud. You know, the typical, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So how have you navigated white spaces on Broadway so beautifully while maintaining your truest self? Um, it hasn't it hasn't come without a cost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost has been that people don't like me. <laughs> people don't like me. Like, they now deal with me because they feel like they have to. Um, and I shouldn't say everybody, but there are, there, are, there are people in the industry that just do not like me personally because I am so adamant about getting what we deserve and, mm. and, and, and showing up in the way that, um, that represents us well. Um, so I will say I thank you for that compliment. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, it's trying. I've, I've had to go through a lot of trial and error. Um, I've had to go through, you know, playing the respectability politics and then getting tired of that and, and acting out. And, you know, like I remember one Tony's, I showed up with a pick in my hair because I was so tired of performing and being on. I had a, a, a fitted cap on, a pick in my head and, you know, some just not what I normally would wear to the Tony nominations. Like, um, so I've, I've, I've had to experiment it and um, do things that, Sometimes I'm not necessarily proud of, but some things that I am proud of in communicating with white people in white spaces and standing up for myself and uh, burning some bridges and rebuilding them. And um, it's come with a, a cost. But um, I will say that I'm happy with 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 what I've done and, and how I've navigated the spaces. Um, and I will own that that title proudly. If you want to call me difficult, um, by all means, please do like please call me difficult. So know that when you come over this way that you have to have your P's and Q's Ooh. together. Okay. Okay. Oh, I said okay. what I said. Yeah. Uh, Drew, yep. So if, we, we, we yeah. keep moving. Okay. And we just keep it moving. Okay. No Kiki Palmer. Mm-hmm. If you <laughs> could go back or if you could talk to a young Drew, an 18 year old Drew, or just a young black man a young black woman a young black person entering this industry mm-hmm. this field what would you tell them that you wish someone had told a younger version of you mm. what would i tell them i would say um it's okay to be wrong like it's okay to be um imperfect you don't always have to have all the notes you don't always have to remember all the lines be present though 
enjoy the moment. Um, yeah, that would be the biggest thing is be present. Um, I think that that I lost so many, so much time and I, I missed so many moments because I was so worried about how is this going to turn out? How is, what is the end, what is this end product going to look like? Um, yeah. And also remember that, that you have to be for you. Mm. The validation is not going to come from anywhere else but you. Do not seek validation from any place else because it's not worth it. People are finicky. People change. Things change. Life happens. And so you have to be secure in who you are and what you bring to the table. So you have to explore what those things are. You have to work on them. You have to rehearse. You have to meditate. You have to practice. You know, there are a lot of things that you have to do in order to maintain your gift. Um, and that's what your focus should be on, not on how other people are perceiving your gift. How can you elevate your gift? How can you um, be a good steward of your gift? That's what your focus should be, your gift and being present and, and using what you have within your wheelhouse right now. And don't worry about future stuff and, and what you could possibly have or what you may need or what you think you may need because everything that you need, you have already. There are gonna be some stuff that comes along that will help you, um, that will help you elevate yourself, but you don't need those things. Those are desires, those are wants. You have everything that you need with, within your reach. And so use them and be present. I hope y'all heard that. I hope y'all heard that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So to wrap up, this is my favorite portion of um, our episode. So we want to know what are your current obsessions? It could be a song, a person, a play you've um, read recently, a TV show you know you've binged. What are your mm. current obsessions? We want to know. The people want to know. The people want to know. My current obsessions. Um. Well, one, it's the prom. Yes. Um, yes, that comes that comes out on December 11th, and um, I am really happy with it. Like I really like it. I enjoy it. It's real white. Yes, it's real white. Like Kerry Washington in there, and Ariana DeBose in there, and um, you know Keegan Michael Key. Mm -hmm. But the the musical is real white. It's it's don't look at it expecting anything else. Um, but it's good. I enjoy it. Um, so that's like my new obsession because I just saw that the other day. Um, and what else am I obsessed with? Um, oh, Jesus. I'm trying to think like, what is, what is happening right now? Um, it's so much happening like in black theater and some of these virtual mm -hmm. readings I'm excited about. This Hurt Village that just came out mm -hmm. the other day uh, with cast black talent. Um, I'm excited about that. I think that goes up tomorrow through this weekend, um, the fourth through the sixth. And then also um, Emily in Paris, I really love. Yes. Did you watch that on Netflix? I, I was mad that it was so short. Well, Netflix it was series. so short. Yeah, it was. It was I good, finished though. it in I a night, it. literally in a night. I said those thirty minute episodes will get you. They will get you if you're not ready. They were. They was getting me right. Like I was pleasantly surprised with it. I was very happy with it. Um, what else am I obsessed with? I'm not really like obsessed with shit. Um, besides like Brandy. Yes. Um, <laughs> Brandy's like Soul Train performance. I've been listening to on repeat. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like there's nothing. Like I don't. I don't get moved too too easily, mm -hmm. but like, um, yeah, I'm sure there's something. I'm oh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, mm. that Netflix film is coming out, and um, um, I haven't finished it yet. Um, but it's 
it's a piece. I'm excited. So I'm, really I'm excited. excited. About that. So that is, yeah. Okay, Elena, you. And then also, oh. um, oh, also I should say, Hot Chocolate Nutcracker on Netflix. It's on my list. Um, that documentary is really good. Uh, uh, they come out with a new documentary about the August Wilson monologue competition. Yes. Um, I think that comes out on the 11th as well. It's it's some stuff out there. Like Netflix and HBO Max have been yeah. like doing some yeah. shit. Like, so yeah, get into it. Get into it. Yes. Okay, Elena. Elena, yeah. what are yours? What are mine? Before I get into them, HBO, I the way they have been promoting black women, specifically dark-skinned black women's work in mm-hmm. the past couple years has been really nice. Watching Michaela Cole, Regina King, Issa Rae, like the way that they have really invested in them and produced their mm-hmm. work. Uh, my current obsessions. Um, in terms of music, Leanne Le Havis's album that she released this year yes so good she, green papaya is good green papaya is so good bittersweet yeah. the fact that she started with that i said you didn't have to start with a banger like this on the first song right um she didn't get any grammy nominations but that's okay that's all right we, she don't need them um but that album is so good speaking of grammy nominations michael kilgore's album uh his yes. song uh let me go got nominated yeah. right yes um i love that album i was just playing it for my dad and my dad is old uh, and he was listening to it and he was like, oh, wait, this jazz? He's like, who is this? I like this. And if my dad likes yeah. the music, then you know it is it's good. good. <laughs> um, so both of those albums I've been listening to a lot. One of my current obsessions. Um, MJ Rodriguez. I, I'm i obsessed with her as an actor, but I'm just obsessed with her on Instagram lately. Like, mm, I just, okay. the posts have been popping. The skin's been clear. Um, yeah, and I just I'm not great at like Instagram photography or like posting really clear, crisp posts. And so when people have like a real like Laura Harrier, she was in uh, Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. I like her. Like when people have real crisp Instagram feeds, I just yeah, don't I'm you into love it? it? I'm into it. I gotta work. That's what I'm working on. That's my 2021 goal for myself. Is we gonna work on inst- my Instagram. Uh, Got you. Okay. I love to see it. Okay, mine are two quick ones. So first, I watched Jingle Jangle last week. I'm very behind. I know. Oh, yes. Jingle Jangle. I don't know why I didn't say that. Yes. I'm obsessed with Madeline Mills, the girl who played Journey. I'm obsessed with the little girl. She's her voice. Yeah. Whatever song she had that was on the the rooftop and she did a little riff. I said, hold on. I said, hold on. Sing, Miss Madeline. So I'm obsessed with her specifically. Go back and watch that again. Her in in the movie. I love the movie, but like... Huh. Um, but secondly, right. um, for some reason, on my recommended on YouTube, the Grammy performance right after Aretha died of Fantasia, Yolanda Adams, and Andre Day singing um, Natural Woman. Man, man, man. All I'm going to say is bring Fantasia back to Broadway when it comes back because I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Fantasia as a singer and an actress. Forget the Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. I you know, have your opinion about the Lifetime movie. Well, she was good in the Lifetime movie. I like <laughs> they, Lifetime. They always give her, they always give her, you know, crap about that. They give they her do. grief. Yeah, but it was still for that time period. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, I will always forget what it was. I will always was. never forget the scene of her in the, uh, coming down the church aisles, uh, singing and crying, yeah, slobbering singing. on herself. Pass me not, old gentle savior. And then sing. You, you better yeah. sing. Come on, that's my song. She she goes. But in. then the Viola coming in with the the voice is not hers. 
And it just it takes <laughs> right. it takes me right on out. It takes me right on out. But just their performance together, <laughs> big fan, big fan. Three Broadway greats, right? Come on, all in right. the same movie. You can't, you can't, right? You can't get right. Mad at it. So uh, those are my yes. current obsessions. So yeah. Yes, Drew. Thank it. you so so much for coming here, for sitting with us. For no, just like for listening me. to us ramble. <laughs> um, listen, y'all listen to me ramble. I'm the one I feel like I didn't went on and on. No, every to, second was to listen, great. Make sure I was, was coherent. Everything was coherent. <laughs> no, everything everything was great. You were speaking life into us. You're speaking Come life on. into our audience. Um, where can the people find you? If again, for some reason they they living under a rock, where can they find <laughs> not just Broadway Black, but where can they find Drew Shade? Where can they look for? Is there anything upcoming that you want the people to know about? Child, I'm always working on something. Um, I'm always working on something. So you can find me at, at Drew Shade on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, yeah, all of my all of my uh, socials are pretty much how they sound. Drew Shade and Broadway Black. That's where I'm at. And I'm I am working on a couple of things, uh, but I don't like to speak on them. I just like to, to come do on. Them. You know, okay. like come on, move the silence. Period. Radio, so. Come on. Yeah, we like to do because sometimes you know, like. This, the projects end up fading out. You know, I might work really hard on something and like I don't release it. So I like to like not talk about the shit unless it's like on its way out, unless there's a set date or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm working on stuff, but you can always catch off book. We do uh, shows every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. on YouTube yes. and Facebook Live. And, and also you can catch it on Twitter. And then everything will be on the streaming platforms on uh, Apple Apple Podcast and, and Spotify and all that good shit. Um, the very next day after we do the show on Mondays. Yes. Period. Yes. Thank you so much, Drew. Yes. Thank, well, thank you. you. Thank you. I'm hoping, I'm hoping y'all had a, a a good little word from me, and I I can uh, inspire you. And anytime you need me, y'all know where to find me. You just listened to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. If you like Fourth Wall, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. You can also follow our journey on Instagram at This Is Fourth Wall and on Facebook at Fourth Wall. And if you have any questions, ideas for new episodes, thoughts, want to submit a letter that we can read aloud, or just want to say hey, email us at fourthwallthepodcast at gmail.com. That is fourthwallthepodcast at gmail.com. All right, y'all. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing week. And we will see you next time for some good, I mean good, conversation on Fourth Wall, the podcast. Bye, y'all.